The Canadian Medical Association, they are sounding the alarm when it comes to health care and the pandemic. Last night, they held an emergency summit with the Canadian Nurses Association, calling on government on all levels, federal and provincial, to essentially kind of stop with the finger pointing and help out exhausted health care workers. Dr. Catherine Smart is head of the Canadian Medical Association and joins us now for more here on Global News Radio. Dr. Smart, nice to have you back with us. Good afternoon. Thanks for having me, Jeff. All right. Uh, first off, just uh, what was discussed at the summit last night? Uh, what was the mood there? So many things were discussed, and I would say the mood was really one of alarm. You know, I, I don't think we thought we would necessarily find ourselves where we are right now with, with healthcare professionals really feeling lied to by governments, us unseen and misled by leadership so many places across this country. I think we've always seen ourselves as partners and, and really key informants in terms of what's happening in the healthcare system and what needs to happen to deliver the care Canadians need. So we heard a lot about the hopelessness that is overtaking all sorts of healthcare workers as, as they continue their fight against COVID-19 and, and really a desire to see government step up and take action through leadership to actually start to solve some of these issues that have been plaguing us now for so long. Okay, you mentioned uh, unseen and being lied to. Those are obviously some strong words and some strong accusations. Why is it that the medical community feels that way when it comes to a government and their handling of the pandemic? I think what we're seeing right now in certain parts of the country, and I'll, I'll single out Alberta and Saskatchewan because their COVID crisis really is now out of control, is we have political leaders coming forward daily to the media and saying things like, no, things are okay, we've got this under control, we, we've got these beds that are staffed for patients, you know, we've increased our ICU capacity. But what the people that are actually in these hospitals working every day are saying is, you know, this is incorrect information. Nurses were telling us that, you know, at the end of the shift, they're unclear if another nurse is coming on to take over the care of their patients. We have people working at workloads in terms of the number of patients they're caring for that do not meet standards of care and are not what they're accustomed to at all. We have people being redeployed to areas within hospitals that they're not trained to work in. Um, and, And these are the types of things that make people feel lied to because on one hand, we have the government saying to the public, things are okay. In the meantime, we have all levels of healthcare providers desperately trying to engage with government to say, no, we are not okay. Things are not okay. And they're not being heard. Those, you know, they're being silenced. They're they're not being listened to. They're not being invited to the tables where decisions are being made, um, and that is leading to a huge sense of mistrust and burnout, and and a high number of people considering leaving healthcare altogether. Well, I wanted to talk to you about that. Is that what this has uh, resulted in? And we've seen and heard reports for months now about just how trying the situation is in our hospitals, particularly in those provinces you mentioned, Alberta and Saskatchewan, and that. I guess the overall feeling is a not just a sense of frustration, but it's it's even more than that now amongst the medical community. Oh, absolutely! I think it's gone from frustration to hopelessness. Like I said earlier, you know, they they people have been stepping up, advocating, providing the information, and when they're not heard and they're not listened to, it leaves people feeling like, well, what more can I do? Um, I can't keep working like this. You know, nurses that are being mandated to provide endless shifts of overtime. How long is that sustainable for for people? It's not. So what we're seeing is 
huge numbers of people that have either left the profession or considering leaving the profession. And that is a huge crisis because we already had a human health resource crisis before this happened. And now that we do not have clear plans on how to retain the healthcare professionals we have, this is just augmenting a problem that already existed. And could that uh, result in some long-term effects? Uh, obviously, we're seeing it short-term uh, right now with uh, not enough staff in ICUs in Alberta and Saskatchewan and uh, other places as well. But if you've got people that are burnt out and are dropping out of the uh, profession, are we going to have a problem uh, down the road when it comes to uh, health care? I mean, we've talked about this uh, for years now when it comes to people even just getting family doctors, how tough that's been. Oh, absolutely. There's no question that this is going to become even worse. And like you said, I think what people need to understand is this was a problem pre-pandemic that has now been made worse by the pandemic. And we have no long-range human health resource plan in this country. We know we do not have enough doctors and nurses, but there's no plan. And how are we going to train, recruit, and retain these people in the profession so that the healthcare needs of Canadians can be met? Um, And that's what we were hearing loud and clear last night is, you know, we need to move to actual solutions. For so long, healthcare is something that people talk about. You know, politicians, levels of government talk about it. They bounce the responsibility back and forth. But what we need is action. You know, the time for platitudes has passed. And if we want a sustainable healthcare system, we need to figure out what it looks like, how to fund it, and we need to actually move forward to take the actions to put those things in place. Okay, when we talk about actions and solutions, what is the biggest problem as far as the Canadian uh, Medical Association sees right now? What is it that you would like to see a government tangibly do right this moment? So I think in the short term, you know, I I would divide into sort of short term and long term. Short term, we need to bend the curve of COVID in the provinces of Alberta and Saskatchewan. Their healthcare systems have collapsed. They are not providing care to anybody, essentially, that does not have either a life and limb emergency or COVID. Um, They've had over 8,000 surgeries cancelled, you know, even surgeries for children. So we need to take public health action to bend that curve. Uh, That has to happen or we are going to see triaging of care, which is what no one wants. Um, So we need to step forward with that. And there's many things that can be done there uh, for sure. Okay, let me, sorry to interrupt, but let me ask you just quickly, does that mean bending the curve in those provinces that we need to see a circuit breaker style lockdown in both those provinces immediately, that sort of thing? I think that's absolutely one of the things that we have said needs to be taken seriously under consideration. Uh, That's one of the things we need to also see, you know, escalation of basic public health mitigation strategies uh, being put in place. We need to see more vaccine mandates to help in that midterm approach to, to this. We can't see public health mitigation set aside and reliant on a vaccine-only strategy. Unfortunately, that is overly simplistic now that the Delta variant's at play, and that's what healthcare professionals are saying. So yes, something like a circuit breaker might allow the numbers to stabilize, and then solid public health planning from there could keep them under wraps, which is what we're seeing in other parts of the country that are doing better right now. So that that absolutely needs to happen or we're going to be in in an absolute disaster here in the coming weeks. And I mean, arguably, we're already in one. Mm -hmm. Okay. And again, long term, what is it you would like to see? So long term, I think there's many issues. I think when we're talking specifically about human health resources, which was really the focus of our conversation last night, is we need to better understand what are the numbers of healthcare professionals we need to adequately staff our healthcare system. We don't have that data, so we don't really know. We know it's more, but how many? 
how do our educational systems reflect that need and how are they being funded? Um, what about actual dollars in healthcare? We know healthcare is not adequately funded. We know that the amount that the federal government supports healthcare has plateaued and is set to decline. So how are we going to solve those issues? You know, we need to actually put things in place to take action and actually have a plan. Otherwise, we're just going to keep having these same conversations that we've been having forever, and the healthcare system is going to continue to dwindle. Well, listen, this is an important conversation, uh, one that continues, but you're absolutely right. We have to get to uh, actions and uh, solutions sooner rather than later. Dr. Smart, thank you as always for your time, and our thanks as always to all of your colleagues for the great work uh, they've been doing and continue to do. Thanks so much, Jeff. You bet. Dr. Catherine Smart is head of the Canadian Medical Association, updating us on that emergency summit that was held in association with the Canadian Nurses Association last night, calling on government to stop again with the finger pointing and help out exhausted healthcare workers. Hi, it's Shauna, and I might be a bad parent because my kids think french fries are vegetables. Hey, it's Ryan, and I might be a bad parent because I went out for wings when my wife was in the hospital after giving birth. Johnny here. I might be a bad parent because in my house, the tooth fairy gives pocket change. But we're not alone. Len emailed us and said his six-year-old daughter's Tarzan moment going from love seat to lazy boy by curtains made him more proud than any dance (laughs) recital. And Andy left his two-year-old at the rink. All right, guys, I'm sure we're not alone, like Andy's kid. For stories and confessions like this, make sure you check out our podcast. It's called Bad Parents, and it's available wherever you get your podcasts. I left a glove at the rink.